So first thing is, could you just say your name for the recording, please? This is Bessie Yvonne Owens Everett, class of 73, entered class, entered in 1969. So where were you born? I was born in Birmingham, Alabama. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Baltimore City. And what did your parents do? Well, my father worked in a steel foundry, and my mother started out picking cotton in Birmingham, Alabama, well, actually, Frisco City, Alabama. And she was considered what you call a full hand. That is, she could pick, pick 500 pounds of cotton a day. Oh, wow. And after she moved to Birmingham, she became a domestic. And she worked as a domestic until she moved to Baltimore. She and my father broke up when I was four years old, and she moved the family to Baltimore. And how many siblings did you have? Oh, I wanted to say sure. she also worked at Rosewood, which was um, a place for kids and adults who were handicapped mentally and mentally, mm -hmm. and then she um, worked in a laundry, and she um, worked for, um, from Rosewood, she went to be a correctional officer, and she worked her way up from a correctional officer to a lieutenant by the time she retired. She um, bought a house for us, which you'll learn more about us growing up. But when she bought the house for us, she rented out the house. We lived in the basement, and she worked her way up from the basement to taking over the whole house. So renting out the house was a long process, and that brought in extra money for the family. And how many siblings? I have three siblings. My mother was married twice. So the first siblings, my brother is 17 months older than I am. He's the oldest. And he's the oldest male in the entire um, range of my cousins. And my sister is two years younger than me, and my little brother is 15 younger th years younger than me, and he's by my mother's second marriage. Okay. Can you speak more on your childhood? Oh, I had a fascinating childhood because we started out in Cherry Hill, and I don't know if you know much about Cherry Hill, but at that time, it was built as a suburban um, public housing for low-income people who were moving from the South at that time during the migration to the North. 
and also for Korean vets who were coming back from the Korean War who were African American. It was a segregated community. Can you give us the time range for that? Well, I was four years old when we lived in Cherry Hill and I was born in 1951. So can you speak to um, your childhood living in Cherry Hill? Well, I only lived in Cherry Hill for about um, a half a year. The, the first half year, I lived with my cousins who lived off Bloomingdale. I don't know if you know where that is. Um, at that time, it was a very nice and prosperous neighborhood. And um, then we moved from Cherry, there to Cherry Hill where I lived with my cousins for another half year. And by that time, my mother had saved up enough money through the various things that she did. Like she also said, she also sold Avon, Sarah Coventry, Amway to make extra money too. So my mother always had two or three jobs. And um, when we moved from Cherry Hill, we moved to Forest Park. And at that time, there was blockbusting going on in Forest Park. Do you know what that is? Should I explain what that is? for people who may not know. Sure. Um, realtors or private owners would come in and they would buy houses from white people at a low price because they would say black people are moving into the community. And then they would take those houses and flip them and sell them to black owners at a higher price. So they were taking advantage of the fears of white people and the aspirations of black people. Um, can you hear it? Yes. Um, so when we moved to Forest Park, it was integrated. And it had, it had very good schools. Okay. Um, my elementary school, that was the first place that I heard opera, and it was Madame Butterfly. Mm -hmm. It was the first time I heard about Michelangelo. Mm -hmm. um, they had a very strong parents' teachers' association. Mm -hmm. They taught French. Um, we had a band where you could rent instruments. Um, they also have what you call the bond drive, where you would pay a quarter a week to get a stamp, and then when you filled up your stamp book, you would get a bond. They also had a um, Christmas club where the banks would come in and teach you about saving, and you would save your money for Christmas so that you could buy gifts for your parents. We had a very big... Um, May Day every year where 
they would sell cakes and pies and have games and activities and the maypole and the whole nine yards. So the parents were mostly responsible for that. What happened in Forest Park was as more blacks moved in, more whites moved out. So when I was, um, when I first came in, there were, uh, I would say half the school was white. And then as it progressed, by the time I graduated, it was completely black. I had black and white teachers mm -hmm. um, all through my educational career at up through high school. Um, the facilities were very good at Garrison at that time. And we had a huge gym. And that's where I became very active in gym activities. Um, also, we were studying chemistry at that time, French at that time. They had what they had called two tracks, a business track and a college preparatory track. Mm -hmm. So mm, I didn't want to end up in the business track. Mm -hmm. That was sort of where they felt the kids with less potential ended up. Was there a racial divide between who goes into the business track and the college education track? I don't think there was a, a racial divide, mm -hmm. but um, I think that your parents had a lot to do with whether you went to the college preparatory mm -hmm. or whether you went to business. Mm -hmm. I had to really fight personally, without my mom, really, mm -hmm. to get into the college preparatory track. And that's where we studied a lot of the um, classes that would prepare us for college. So did and you feel prepared um, being in that, that program? In that track? Mm -hmm. I don't think I really thought about it. But you did fight to, to be a participant in that? Yes. Okay. Um, so were Being there any... in business would have been a disaster. Okay. So like personally, <laughs> you just didn't want to be in the business track? No, the business okay. track was typing, clerical work, okay. things like that, mm -hmm. which I felt were really not my strong point and really not what I was interested in. Right. Um, did you have any mentors in high school that assisted you with this process? Because you did mention that your mom Well, that was junior high school. Okay. When I moved to high school, I mm -hmm. had mentors. Okay. And two of my mentors went to Goucher. Okay. Okay. Um, so that's how I heard about Goucher. And so... Um, what was the sort of perspective of education in your family? Well, I think that education was always important, like going back to my grandparents. Mm -hmm. My grandmother taught school in a Sunday school, and she could write cursive as well as print, and she knew math, and I don't know how much history she knew, 
or anything like that. But I knew that my mother had seven sisters and brothers, and all of them could write cursive and print and do um, basic math. And um, when my um, parents' siblings got old enough, they had choices. They could go to high school, they could go to a trade school, or they could go to work. At that time, work, you could get a really good job um, without having a college education. You know, there were more opportunities for people who didn't even have um, high school degrees. My mother was valedictorian of her class, so I'm very proud of that. And she had a gold ring, and she wore it until she wore it out. Um, so I would say that my family had a very positive view of education. And even though we weren't very affluent, we, um, we were like, I guess, you would call lower working class. And my mother always bought books. I don't know if you remember um, Golden Books. Did you have Golden Books no, during your time? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could buy Golden Books, and they were not very expensive, and they would have like Little Red Riding Hood, The Three Bears stories like that and um, she would buy golden books for us we had encyclopedias they weren't world book encyclopedias but they were encyclopedias um, my mother worked for mainly white families mm -hmm. so when their kids outgrew their books she would bring their books home to us so I don't know if you've heard of Nancy Drew yes the Bobsy Twins? No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Nancy Drew was a female um, heroine, and the Bobsy Twins were males. So she encouraged us to get a good education. And I would say... For my sister and I, that worked out. We stayed in school. We did the right thing. My brother, she said, was in the front door and out the back. <laughs> he wasn't really into education at that time. And um, by the ninth grade, he decided to drop out and get a job. So you were the first um, one in your family to graduate from college? I was the first one to graduate from college. But my sister got a full scholarship to the University of Maryland. Okay. But she had a boyfriend, and she wanted to get married. And so she got married. Can I backtrack a little bit? Sure, yes. Um, in my neighborhood growing up, my mother was the only single parent in our neighborhood. Most people had uh, mothers and fathers and their parents worked in jobs like clerical jobs, teachers, nurses, um, 
at the still mill like Bethlehem Still, I think you heard of that. Kennecott, which was a copper refinery, which is where my stepfather worked. Um, Postman. So they were um, solid middle class because both parents worked and then the wives came home and they still had to cook mm -hmm. and clean right. and wash clothes and do all those things. So they still had um, that role, that womanly role that was expected of them. And did you realize the difference growing up that your family looked different than other people's families? Mm-hmm. Right. And was your mother ever active in any like politics or participating in any demonstrations or anything like that? No, I think my mother was more interested in working okay. and she used to take us to the houses that she worked in mm -hmm. and we would help scrub the floors mm -hmm. and wash the tubs and clean the toilets and change the beds and do all those sorts of activities and I never really heard my mother complain about her situation in terms of being a black woman in a white world. I never heard her um, rise up against it. Mm -hmm. I know that she looked up to Martin Luther King mm -hmm. and Bobby Kennedy and John Kennedy but she, she voted, but she never demonstrated. The only demonstrations that I can really remember um, growing up was there was an amusement park called Gwen Oak Amusement Park, and they wanted to um, integrate it, and there was a lot of talk about it, a lot of demonstrations to get the park to open up, to blacks, and when they opened it up to blacks, they let the quality of the park deteriorate, mm. and the whites stopped going there. Mm. So it became a pretty much a black park until it was considered dangerous, and then they tore it down. And where was this located? In Baltimore County. Baltimore County. And was your mom a participant in, in getting the amusement park integrated? No, my mother spent, my mother worked, I think I said she worked at least three jobs. Right. So she really didn't have time okay. to do those sorts of activities. Right. But when the vote came in, she did vote and she encouraged us to be voters. Okay. That's great. Um, so your mother was part of the NAACP or any of your family members? Part of the NAACP? No. Okay. Um. I think my mother basically believed through hard work mm -hmm. and effort and um, she could do whatever she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Like by the time I graduated from college, she's had two assistant living houses where she took care of black and white clients who didn't have any place to live or their um, family didn't want them 
and wanted them to be in assisted living situation. So I don't think my mother really, even though she was from Alabama, where you would think she would have some really harsh attitudes toward white people, I don't think she grew up that way. And I don't think she passed that on to us. I think I was radicalized in college. Oh, that's <laughs> exciting to hear. Um, um, I guess, can you speak more on the two Goucher alum that you met um, in high school that were your mentors? Okay, there was um, Shirley Claudin, who actually graduated from Goucher. And then there was um, um, Ellen Chambers, who went to Goucher for two years. And at that point in time, when I was considering where I wanted to go, there was Towson Teachers College, and there was the community college, and there was Morgan. And I didn't want to go to Morgan because I was bullied in high school, mm -hmm. and a lot of the kids that were bullying me went to Morgan. So that was out for me. And so, I took the ACTs first, and I thought I'd go to a community college and then get out and get a job, because I was the pattern of my family mm -hmm. to aspire to the highest form of education that they looked toward at that time, mm -hmm. which was high school, mm -hmm. and then get out and get a job. Mm -hmm. and. Ellen said that she thought that I was smart. I was in the upper 10th of my class, so she thought that I was smarter than that and that I should be going to like Smith or Bryn Mawr or Goucher or um, schools like that. Um, and so she had a connection with Miss Flowers, who at that time was the admissions person who did the interviewing and things like that. So at the time that I decided that I would consider Goucher, I had passed the, um, what do you call it, the period where you accept, where they accept your application. So you were admitted? I was they made an exception for me to be interviewed. Okay. okay. And at that time I wasn't very good at taking tests. Mm -hmm. But they said if I scored a 500, which shows you how bad I was at taking tests, mm -hmm. that in any subject of my choice mm -hmm. that I could get into Goucher. Okay. So, Miss Bobbitt, who was another mentor of mine, mm -hmm. she was an English teacher and every day um, during her lunch period, she would tutor me on English, and I made exactly a 500 oh, wow. to get into Goucher. Oh, wow. So how did you meet um, your mentors in high school? Okay, one of them was an English teacher, and they both were English teachers, but one of them was an English teacher that taught me, and the other one, one was 
the creative for, um, in charge of the creative writing club. And I was in the creative writing club. And I wrote short stories and poetry and things like that in her in her everybody congregated toward her creative writing class and she was the one who encouraged me at that time I wore my hair natural I wore my hair natural for like 19 years and um, she was the one who was encouraging me to wear my hair natural and my mother was like not <laughs> which was really interesting and she took me to my first ballet. She took me to my first antique shows. She took me to have first authentic Chinese food. She took me to what was then known as Little Jewish Town, where you could get Jewish food of all kinds, like blood sausage and um, other kinds of foods that you wouldn't necessarily get in um, other parts of Baltimore. It was a block long and it was all Jewish businesses mm -hmm. that served food or um, which could have been cooked food or non-cooked food. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, where else did she take me? Um, oh, she used to have these parties at her house and she would play people like Nina Simone, John Coltrane, um, Simon and Garfunkel and people like that who were um, I would say radical in terms of their music mm -hmm. or their statements in their music mm -hmm. or on the cusp of um, folk music that was coming into vogue then. Right. So she seems like a, like a very influential person in your decision to attend Goucher. Yes, she even served as caviar. We were students. We didn't like it, mm -hmm. but she served as caviar, and she was a gourmet cook. So we got to taste a lot of foods, and she even made African food for us, mm -hmm. and she was white. That's very neat. Um, so... Did you also choose Goucher because of the courses or anything that they were offering or because that seemed like the best institution based on like the people that you've um, seen as mentors? That seemed to be the best institution based on my mentors. Mm -hmm. Also, they gave me a full scholarship okay. plus expenses for the first year. It was a Martin Luther King scholarship and so um, I think he was killed in 68 and the scholarship was introduced in 69. And so this was just for the first year? This was for the first year. The second year I went to the senator's office and they gave me a full scholarship. And the one thing that I didn't like was that um, Goucher took some of their money away because I had gotten a full scholarship where I really needed money for like um, books and supplies and fees and just 
money like people take for granted, like to go to the snack bar and buy a hamburger or something like that. And I thought that was very unfair. And when we had our list of demands, that was one of the demands that we thought that they shouldn't take money away from us. So when I graduated from Goucher, I ended up owing money and I felt I shouldn't have had to owe anything because that scholarship was really for four years. The Martin Luther King scholarship no, or the senator's The senator's scholarship. scholarship. So that would have left me three years mm -hmm. with a free ride. Right. And so were you, how were you, how were you financing Goucher after your um, sophomore year? After my sophomore year, my mother had to submit um, her um, financial statements, and I worked as a, um, what would you call them, financial aid student, and I worked over the holidays at department stores to earn money and um, Goucher didn't cut my tuition what they cut were my books and fees and things like that that I know about I really don't know how much money my mother actually had to contribute but she had four kids and she was a single mother. So, um, what were your first impressions of Goucher? Well, there were two things. The first thing I thought was it was for rich white girls. And I found that very fearful because I felt that somehow um, I wouldn't fit in. And I started out as a city student. And I don't know if you know what a city student is. Um, did you live off campus? That I lived off campus at home. I had to take three buses to get to Goucher and walk in from Towson every day. So at that time, I didn't get to participate in a lot of student activities because it took so long to get to school and so long to get home. Right. Um, what was the other part of the question? So just your first impressions at, at Goucher and, and I guess... Oh, I would say that I found the staff very helpful. And once I got on campus, I thought the girls would be wearing dresses and heels and all that stuff, and they weren't. They were wearing jeans and sandals and um, pea coats and sweaters and things like that. And they had what they call a sunny surplus, and I don't know if you know what that is, but they, sur they sold um, surplus clothing and camping gear and things like that. 
So I got a lot of my clothes from Sunny Surplus, as a lot of the other kids did. So I fit in clothes-wise. Right. And so, so you were aware that um, Goucher had a very small number of black students um, when you first entered. So how was that experience like your first year? Well, my first year, I commuted for a semester, and then I was awarded a scholarship to live on campus because they had scholarships where city students could get the experience of living on campus. And I lived with Teresa Ross, who was a black student, and she was a math major and I was an art major. So she would be up all night working on problems and I was going to bed at 11. <laughs> and did you choose Teresa to be your, your roommate or how no, did they, that work out? No, they um, set it up so that Teresa would be our roommates. Okay. And also there were 25 of us and 10 25. of us 25 black students on okay. campus out of 1,500. Okay. And that included the um, seniors as well as the freshmen, all the way through to the freshmen. The freshmen was the largest class. We had the largest class at that time, which was 10 students. And so did you notice that um, black students were um, rooming with each other or whether there was no difference with that? Um, I think we were roommating with each other because um, yes, from what I remember, we, from the people that I knew, we were roommating with each other. And I think they thought perhaps that would make us more comfortable. They also had big sisters and little sisters. And I don't know if you know about that, but when you entered and as a freshman, you would be assigned a, sen a senior or an upperclassman to um, acclimate you to Goucher. And most of us had black big sisters. And who is your big sister? Rita Ford. And so, um, which building did you live in as a first year? Well, I lived in Frolicker okay. when I first entered with Teresa. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, I got a scholarship to live on campus. I don't know how that happened. Did you apply? And, no. Okay. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I got a scholarship to live on campus, and I moved to Gamble House, and I had a single in Gamble, and I lived in Gamble for the other three years that I was, yeah. three and a half years that I was on campus. They had tri-semesters then. Okay. Um, so how did you find living in a dorm? I loved year? it. Yes. 
I got to participate in more school activities, one. I got to meet more of the students, which was interesting. Um, I got to participate more with the girls and learn more about the girls. And I think the first year, I was the only black student in Gamble. Okay. So you lived in, when did you live in Frolicker? I lived in Frolicker for a semester. Okay. So your first semester. second semester. Okay. Trimester. Right. Okay. Got it. At that time, they had three trimesters and they had a break. Right. So did you feel any racial tension um, being the only black student in Gamble? No. Okay. Did you hear At anything? that time, this was the late 60s, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of um, civil unrest with the Vietnam War. There was a lot of questioning of the white students about the values that their parents held and about um, society in general. So they were doing a lot of um, participating in a lot of demonstrations and things like that for equal rights and against the Vietnam War. So how would you describe the social atmosphere at Goucher? Well, the social atmosphere was quite different. Mm because there were only 25 of us. Right. And our sister, our brother's school was Johns Hopkins. Mm-hmm. At that point, Johns Hopkins was all male, and we were all female, and that was our brother's school. So when we had affairs, it was usually with John Hopkins or with the Naval Academy. Mm-hmm. And I signed up to go to a dinner dance at the Naval Academy and I was the only black person there and the guy that I was assigned to sit with was um, what do you call them he was a Naval candidate but I'm not sure that's the name that they use for them and he was a real gentleman, and he treated me very well. And so I didn't feel that he was racist or anything like that. I didn't get that feeling. But I didn't feel comfortable being the only black and dating or having, um, I guess you could say having a date with the um, white guy. Mm -hmm. That wasn't comfortable for me. Were there any um, black male students at Johns Hopkins at that time? Yes, there were some black male students and I did meet some of them. And um, at that time, well, I was prettier than I thought I was. But at that time, there was so 
there were very few black males at Johns Hopkins. So it wasn't like you had a big choice mm-hmm. to <laughs> to choose from in terms of having the same interests and wanting to do the same things. Mm-hmm. And they had Rush Week, and Rush Week was when they had um, the fraternities and where people would be pledging their fraternities mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And we would go out for that, and that's where we met a lot of the black males that were at um, Hopkins. Right. So how did you... They also have what they call mixers. Right. Okay. But you know what a mixer is? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you still have those? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> And Goucher would have them come... Mm-hmm. And we would have parties, mm-hmm. and it was really funny because at that time um, they were so fascinated that we could dance. Like right now, um, whites can dance a lot like blacks, mm-hmm. but at that time they couldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was really interesting. They were really fascinated that we could really dance, mm-hmm. and. Um, I, most of the people that I hung out with were white because they were in my classes. I, don't, I only had one class, I think, where I had a black student in my class, and she was a major in art, too. Mm-hmm. But um, my boyfriend I met before I went to Goucher, okay. and I met him in a department store when we were getting ready to go to school and he went to University of Pennsylvania so I spent a lot of weekends Mm -hmm. at University of Pennsylvania and so how did you spend your time um, your free time at Goucher well I was very athletic Mm -hmm. and at first I was on the basketball team and we played Morgan and we were playing zone and they were playing man to man and they crushed us <laughs> and they laughed at us and some of the same girls that bullied me mm-hmm. were on that on that basketball team oh, yeah. so I decided I didn't want to be on the basketball mm-hmm. team so I tried out for fencing mm-hmm. and I made the fencing team okay. what year was that? That was in um, 69. Okay. So I fenced for four years. Okay. And I was very good at fencing. I, um, they, gave, they paid for me to have lessons hmm. with a private instructor. And I'm told that that was very unusual for Goucher to do that. Hmm. But um, he used to call me Ivan the Terrible. Because <laughs> Ivan and Yvonne... Um, were considered similar in um, names. Mm. He was Russian. <laughs> and he's a Goucher student? I was a Goucher student, and he was a professional mm-hmm. coach. Okay. So wow. I actually went out and had lessons. I went to the dean's office, and I told them 
that I wanted to have private fencing lessons. Mm -hmm. And they pretty much said, sure. Okay. And um, they paid for it because wow. I didn't have the money to pay for it. Right. And they sent me to the Nationals. Mm -hmm. And I was Maryland State Champion for two years. Wow. And that was while I was at school. I also came in, we went to Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. University of Pittsburgh, where they had like the nationals for colleges, and our team came in at 100, but I came individually at 20, so I was very good, mm -hmm. um, but we got to travel a lot. They don't have a fencing team here now. Mm -hmm. But we traveled to Toronto, we traveled to Hood, we traveled to Chambersburg, we traveled to Pittsburgh, um, we traveled to um, University of, um, what is it? Not University of Pennsylvania, um, what is it? Pennsylvania? Penn State? Was it Penn State? I'm trying to think of what school it was. Okay. But it wasn't, um, but anyway, we traveled around a lot. Mm -hmm. um, they sent me to the Cherry Blossom Open, mm -hmm. and I came in third. Um, so I got to do a lot of traveling as part of the fencing team. And I'm really sad that they don't have a fencing team now. They have an equestrian team, mm -hmm. which they had before. Right. But they travel. Mm -hmm. And now you just have a fencing club. Yeah. And you don't travel. Right. And I think that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what the reason is for that. Um, so I guess, can you talk more about... Um, your classes, and I think you just mentioned that um, there was only one other black student um, who's an art major. Well, I took a lot of political science classes, okay. a lot of philosophy classes, mm -hmm. a lot of religious classes, mm -hmm. and then I had to take the core classes, right. biology, mm -hmm. language, history. Um, we had to take speech as part of our core class. And I was from Birmingham, Alabama, and my mother was. Mm -hmm. So I would drop my endings like the G's, mm -hmm. like something instead <laughs> of something. Right. And so my I had to have individual um, speech lessons mm -hmm. so that I could graduate from the speech class right. and when I came out speaking in the end a lot of people who did not know I was black assumed I was white on the telephone Okay. Huh. they said I had a cosmopolitan accent mm -hmm. which I associate with um, 
New York mm -hmm. <laughs> for some reason. Mm -hmm. Not the Bronx or any place like that. Right. But New York City. Right. And so you were an art major, but you got to take all these different classes. Mm -hmm. um, so you weren't the only black student in these classes, correct? I might not have been the only black student in the classes, but um, they weren't in my classes. Okay. Okay. Um, because everybody had to take certain core classes. Right. But if you're, there's only 25 of you and you're spread out mm -hmm. from seniors to um, freshmen, right. your chances of being in a class with another black student is very rare. Right. Right. So most of the students that I made who were friends mm -hmm. were white friends. Okay. I know that I will not mention them because they might be interviewed, mm -hmm. but they would, at the when the weekends came, mm -hmm. they would head to Howard to party. <laughs> your your black friends or your black friends? My black friends. Okay. So there wasn't sort of that social scene that they enjoyed on Goucher's campus? Mm-mm. Okay. The social scene was pretty dead for black students. Okay. Did you ever go to Howard, or did you stay on campus? And I went to University of Pennsylvania, okay, got it. or my boyfriend came down here, got it. and we weren't, at that time, <laughs> you weren't supposed to have males in your room mm -hmm. past a certain time. Mm -hmm. You had to keep four feet on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, you weren't supposed to have them spend the night or anything like that. But um, there were rules that we broke. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So. So can you tell me um, more about some professors that you connected with at Goucher? Well, I really connected with Marianne Githens. And I would say she was a mentor of mine. I remember having long talks with her, more so than anybody mm -hmm. else on campus. I would say that I didn't really connect with a lot of the professors, mm -hmm. not even my, um, what do you call them? I know you guys have them. They're, um, they're like within your major mm -hmm. and they... Your advisor? Um, your advisor, mm -hmm. yeah. I didn't really relate to my advisor mm -hmm. either. I took a creative writing class mm -hmm. and I took several of those. And one of the, I showed him a paper and I said that the girl was ashy. And he said, it's not ashy. There's no such word as ashy. But in the black community, there is a word called ashy, mm -hmm. when your skin is really dry mm -hmm. and it takes on a white cast. Mm -hmm. But he didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. So he was saying it was ashen, which 
It wasn't. Right. <laughs> right. So there was a cultural divide. Mm-hmm. And do you think that was the reason why you didn't connect with most professors? Or was it another reason? Um, I was very active in a lot of the um, associations at Goucher. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the teachers I didn't have time to interact with right. or didn't choose to interact with. I chose to be, like, I was um, the representative for my house, mm-hmm. for a student union. Mm-hmm. And the student union looked very different than how it looks today. Mm-hmm. The student union, you voted for a representative from each one of the houses. Mm-hmm. And um, before I came, I think one of the man's that the um, black students have was that they have a representative on the student governing um, board. Mm-hmm. So um, you could also try out, and I don't think they have things for that either, but you could run for the curriculum committee, Mm -hmm. you could run for the admissions committee, Um, there were various committees like that that had a certain amount of power in terms of what the classes and the social activities Mm -hmm. and the um, people that they brought in as speakers and um, who got into Goucher and why mm-hmm. um, that you were able to participate in when I was here. I don't know if you still have that. Yeah, we have similar committees that students can get involved with. Um, so did you avoid any professors? Um, yes. For certain reasons? Yeah. I have one professor. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. But I was getting A's, A minuses, A pluses in this class, but I did have some A minuses, and I didn't have as many A pluses, but I did have enough A's where I thought I should have gotten an A in mm-hmm. the class, and I got a B. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was unfair. Mm-hmm. I talked to him about it, and he, his position was an A minus, was not was closer to a B than an A and my position was then why didn't I just get a B instead of an A minus mm-hmm. on my papers mm-hmm. or why was I getting A's and A pluses and end up with a B so I avoided his classes after that mm-hmm. so you mentioned a few times that you were um active in different associations on campus, so Mm -hmm. were you also politically active in any way? On campus? Mm -hmm. Or are you talking about, did I participate in the march um, for the Vietnam War or the march on um, Washington for certain rights? What are you talking about? Yeah, so you can speak on on any sort of political action. My political activism was mostly on campus. Okay. 
So you were part of the Black Student Association? Mm-hmm. Okay. And at that time, I think we were approached in two different ways. Mm-hmm. We were approached personally, and we received letters to join. Mm-hmm. And um, I think most of us joined at that time the Black Student Association. So it was founded in 1968, correct? I'm not sure when it was founded. Okay. It was founded before I came. Okay. All right. So it was already sort of in um, place. In place. Okay. Yes. So were you approached or did you hear about it and, and join? We were approached. Okay. So what type of activities did you participate in with the Black Student Association? Well, we were very strategic. Mm-hmm in what we wanted to do. And what we tried to do is get on at least one member on the major committees, like the curriculum committee and the admissions committee and um, things like that. On the um, events committee. And did you I guys... think we had a lot of influence. And was that, did you actually get black students into those committees through the Black Student Association? Through the, well, we couldn't do it without the white students. Right. But <clears throat> we had a lot of support from white students. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, there, there weren't any blacks in Gamble except for me. Mm-hmm. But I was selected to be the representative Mm -hmm. in student government for the um, got for Gamble House. Right. So I think that was a case for a lot of us Mm -hmm. because a lot of us were known on campus Mm -hmm. either through our activities Mm -hmm. or. through our personalities or through our advocation of changes at Goucher. Right. So um, I would say a lot of white, excuse me, students admired us. So, do you know how the Black Student Association was formed? I don't know how it was formed. I think that you need a, um, and Max Singh could tell you more about that. Right. Um, So, I guess, can you talk a little bit about um, where you all had your meetings um, and how often you all met as a group? Um... I think we met in classrooms or lounges, student lounges, where we had some privacy. And um, what was the other part of that question? How often you met? How often do we meet? Um, we met pretty regularly because we did a lot of planning. Um, 
and I can't say we met every other week or every week or mm -hmm. anything like that, mm -hmm. but it seems to me that we met, we met pretty often because, like I said, we had an agenda. Right. So, can you speak more on the agenda and the list of demands that you had for administration? Well, I was looking for, I had the list of demands. There mm -hmm. were 24 of them. Mm -hmm. When I was um, a sophomore or a junior, I can't remember. But I couldn't find the list. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But one of the demands I, kn I know that we had was that we have a black professor full-time. And he was a math teacher. And we wanted to have a black person teaching the African to Afri African-American experience. Mm -hmm. And the book we, I even remember the book, it was from Slavery to Freedom. So whose idea was it to present the demands to administration? I think that was the seniors. Okay. Not the seniors, but the upperclassmen. Mm -hmm. So what did you all think of the thought of, of presenting the demands to administration? Fine. Yeah. I think we were pretty um, healthy, um, self-esteem group. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the first ones that came were from um, middle-class families. Mm -hmm. They weren't poor mm -hmm. or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And they were, I believe, they were from um, two family households, mm -hmm. and that their families were professionals. I'm not sure they can talk more on that, mm -hmm. but um, so I think they had a pretty healthy sense of themselves, mm -hmm. and I think because of my mother that I had a pretty healthy sense of myself. And were you sort of inspired by the upperclassmen and, and their sort of um, passion and like confidence? Was I inspired by them? Hmm. I would say I was led by them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. More so than inspired okay. that they were that they form the core of the leadership. Right. And um, I think that we, I don't know what the word would be. It wouldn't be acquiesced, but we um, followed their lead. We followed their lead to a great extent. So do you think the administration was supportive of the Black Student Association's list of demands? Some of them. Okay. We had 24, and I look at some. I was reading them to Teresa. I'm so unhappy that I couldn't find that list mm -hmm. because 
that list, there were no way that mm -hmm. we were going to get all 24 of those demands. Right. Right. Um, and so were there some that um, you thought were pretty easy to, to fulfill, and did you think some were just reaching for too much? Well, I didn't think we were reaching too much for any mm -hmm. of them, or they wouldn't have been on that sheet. Right, right. But did you think that administration would consider it out of their, their hands? Well, I didn't know how the administration would consider it. Mm -hmm. um, when I first came in, we had a white male president, mm -hmm. and he left after our first year. And then Rhoda Dorsey came in, and she's a legend. Right. And she had an open-door policy, and um, most of the deans had open-door policies. So you could just make an appointment, or sometimes you could just drop by and walk in, and if they were free, they would talk to you. So there was no hostility between the administration that I experienced. I can only talk about what I experienced. Mm -hmm. I didn't experience any hostility between the um, staff and, the, and myself. Okay. So did the Black Student Union Association, um, I mean, participate in other political activities on or off campus? I don't know if we participated as a group, okay. but I know there were individuals who participated in the um, fight against the Vietnam War. And the um, struggles for more justice in the society at that time. Okay. So I know that there were students who did that. I just wasn't one who did it. Okay. And I don't know if that was because I didn't have a role model for it, mm -hmm. or I just never felt, in my experience, I only had one experience growing up where I really felt hostility of white people. Mm -hmm. And that's when I went, do you know the Eastern Shore? Yes. My uncle used to go down there to fish. And I went down there one time with him to fish. And I had made up, I used to sew all my clothes mm -hmm. because I couldn't afford to buy them. And I had sewed up this suit and I had a little slicker on in case of rain. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling very good about myself. I think I was in junior high school. And when we got down there, people were spitting out of the car at us and cursing at us and things like that. And I wasn't really prepared for that kind of behavior. I think that's the first time that I encountered that kind of behavior. And even though we grew up in a segregated um, situation, mm -hmm. Baltimore was segregated for the most part mm -hmm. in that, and it still is segregated to a large degree, in that 
when black people move into a community, white people move out. Mm -hmm. So then you have an all-black community. So in that sense, it becomes segregated, if you understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. But they had de facto segregation in the 50s where there were places that you just couldn't live until black busting came in and they passed um, the Fair Housing Act mm -hmm. where you could live, where you could afford to live. Mm -hmm. um, but Baltimore has been and still is pretty much segregated. If you don't have money, then you're pretty much going to live in a segregated community. Mm -hmm. And even if you do have money, you'll find that for the most part, um, white people don't want to live around you. Mm -hmm. And that was the case that I experienced as I went through high school, from elementary school to junior high school to high school. Mm -hmm. It was primarily a Jewish community. And it became progressively more and more black mm -hmm. until it was an entire black community. Right. One of the interesting things about um, growing up in a community like that, mm -hmm. you know where they always talk about it takes, uh, what is it, it takes something to raise a village? Uh, yeah. What is that thing? I think it, it takes a village to take care of a child or... Yeah, it takes like a that. child, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm -hmm. yes. Well, that, I think, was very true mm -hmm. when I was growing up. It's like if I did something mm -hmm. that was inappropriate, mm -hmm. my mother, before I got home, my mother would know. Right. And it wasn't a question about whether or not <clears throat> the grown-up was telling the truth about us. Mm -hmm. It was like, yes, this is what happened, and you would have some kind of corrective action taken. Right. And um, that is very different than how we experience communities today. Mm -hmm. I know that um, some years passed, and I was, I would say I was in my 30s or 40s, and one of... A, a young kid, I don't think he was singing, but he was throwing rocks. He was mm -hmm. throwing pieces of cinder blocks mm -hmm. into my into my friend's yard. Mm -hmm. And he came out because his daughter was there. Mm -hmm. And he chased him down mm -hmm. and took him to his um, father's house. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is what your child was doing. And he was like, oh, no, not my child. Right. Which is very different than what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has had a very negative impact mm -hmm. on the black community that um, that sense of um, of sticking together mm -hmm. and trusting each other, I don't think that exists a lot today. And the other thing that was interesting was that 
um, you had doctors living next to teachers or nurses or domestics, mm-hmm. and so you could you could look at you could be a domestic's child and you could look at a doctor and you could say yes, I can do that too, mm-hmm. you know, or you could be um, a steel work your father could work in the steel mill and your mother could be a nurse and you could say yes I could be that too mm-hmm. whereas today um, not only do you have the race divide you also have the class divide mm-hmm. right. which we didn't have and I think that had a lot to do with um our sense of Mm self-esteem being a goucher. Now, one of the funny things about goucher is, even though we could wear jeans and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. when we went to dinner, we had to wear skirts, you had to be on time, Mm -hmm. and we were served. And we had laundry service. Mm And we had people that came and cleaned our rooms at least twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, the black students made a lot of friends with the um, help on campus mm-hmm. because they were primarily black. And they gave us advice and tutored us in the ways of the world to some degree in terms of being able to get along Mm -hmm. in a predominantly white world. Did you look up to um, any of the black professionals at Goucher? Because I know that there was at least one black um, male who was on the board of trustees. I heard that there was one black male on the board of trustees but I don't think I was aware of him at the time and I wouldn't say that I looked up to him because I didn't know that he existed Um, were you aware of the sort of um, political activism that was happening in Towson with like desegregating um, restaurants, because I know a few Goucher students participated in that. Well, by the time I got to Towson, mm-hmm. I could go pretty much anywhere. Okay. So I went shopping mm-hmm. in all the chain stores. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly ate on campus mm-hmm. because I couldn't afford to eat at the diners right. and restaurants that they had. So if there was um, segregation and students fighting for those rights, Mm -hmm. for um, black equality in Mm -hmm. those situations, I don't think I was really aware of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Gouch was pretty isolated, Mm -hmm. and you can, I think it's possible to go through Goucher without having any incidences. Mm-hmm. 
depending on how your personality is. I know that, oh, I did have another incident with my um, art, the chairman of the art department. I wanted to do black art, Mm -hmm. and he was really into optical art. And um, when I did my senior integrative, it was on black art, and I got a C on it. And at that time, um, you had to get at least a C to graduate. If you couldn't pass your integrative, I don't know what it's like now, mm-hmm. you couldn't graduate. Mm-hmm. And I think what you guys have now are thesis. Mm, not necessarily. Okay. Um, I think if you don't get a certain grade for your um, major, mm-hmm. like if you don't pass the classes in your major, then you don't receive your diploma. Well, this was like you could get good grades mm-hmm. in your major, mm-hmm. but if you couldn't pass your integrative, which mm-hmm. is something like a small thesis, mm-hmm. you couldn't graduate. Okay. And I know, I know of white students who didn't graduate because they couldn't pass their thesis. And I had applied for Thomas J. Watson Fellowship Mm -hmm. in my um, fourth year. And I thought it was based on academics. So when I came to be interviewed, Mm -hmm. I was crying. I was really upset Mm -hmm. because I felt that I did not have the grades to get the fellowship. Mm -hmm. And then he told me the fellowship was not based on grades. Mm -hmm. It was based on whether they thought you had the ability to make a contribution to the world. Mm -hmm. And Goucher could nominate four um, students for those years Mm -hmm. to travel abroad for a year. Mm -hmm. That's what the Thomas J. Watson Fellowship was. It was very prestigious to get into, to be a Thomas J. Watson Fellow. Mm -hmm. And um, that year I was the only one to receive one. (laughs) And which country did you study abroad in? I studied in Ghana, Nigeria, and I studied traditional African textile design. And then when I came back, I, he, my professor had said, if you wanted to study black art, you should have gone to a black institution. So I went to Howard. And you took art classes there? And I took art classes there. Mm-hmm. And in a way, he was right. <laughs> because um, the black culture, there was a big black cultural movement that was going on in the country at that time. And um, there was a very active um, cultural community at Howard. Mm -hmm. And they were doing some cutting edge art. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was Afrocentric. So I was in the right place at the right time. So do you feel that Goucher has changed um, by the time you graduated? 
oh, there are a lot more blacks on campus. (laughs) So that's one way it's changed. Some of the changes that they have, I didn't feel good about. I liked it being a girls' school, but I realized that if Goucher was going to survive, it was going to have to go co-ed because the um, interest in women's schools was starting to decline Mm -hmm. and women were being allowed into male schools Mm -hmm. and they were gravitating toward male schools. So if Goucher was going to survive, it was going to have to change. So that was a big change that happened after I graduated that I was sorry to see happen in a way because Goucher trained women to be leaders Mm -hmm. and um, I read a paper here called 365 Women Missing and it was a political paper Mm -hmm. that someone had written and they were talking about when males were in the class the females tended to sit back Mm -hmm. and not um, be as assertive Mm -hmm. as they would have been when it was all women. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, that was a big difference in my experience at Goucher that women were expected to be leaders, but they were still expected to be married, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, that you would marry up. So that's another expectation that a lot of girls had, that they would marry up. But I don't think a lot of the... um, black students had that notion I feel that they felt that they were going to have to work and make their own way Mm -hmm. I would say that being a goucher was you could be isolated from what was going on out in the quote unquote real world Mm -hmm. And so when I got my first job, I really ran into a lot of racism. Mm -hmm. They had the consent decree, I don't know if you've heard of that, of 1976. And um, I had finished grad school at Howard. Mm -hmm. And when I got the job, they were looking at the fact that I graduated from Goucher and not that I had a master's from Howard. And um, in one sense, Goucher helped me in getting um, a job because it was highly respected, Mm -hmm. but um, it didn't prepare me for the racism that I would Mm -hmm. face in the workplace. And I don't think my mother prepared me for the racism that I would meet in the workplace. 
So I guess thinking back to the list of demands that the Black Student Association mm -hmm. um, presented to administration, do you think some of those things have been met um, looking at Goucher today? Mm -hmm. okay. But some of them were went back word. Okay. Like you have a white professor that teaches African American studies, and that's one of the things that we fought against. Mm -hmm. We felt that they could not bring the perspective that was necessary um, for black students and white students mm -hmm. to really understand the struggles of black people. And I've met the professor who teaches um, black studies here, mm -hmm. and he's a nice guy but I don't know if he really has the insights into what it means to be black in America today. And that was one of the things that we definitely fought for, mm -hmm. that Goucher went back on. Mm -hmm. um, they never did change their financial policy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they've changed it to this day, but Robert Bull talks, tells a story about he never knew how much money his mother made. Mm. Um, but <clears throat> when he graduated, he couldn't walk across the stage mm -hmm. because he owed $3,000 to the school. Right. And that was very different than when I came out of Goucher because I owed money to Goucher too, mm -hmm. but I was allowed to walk. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's something that's very different in mm -hmm. terms of our list of demands. Mm -hmm. We didn't get um, the scholarship concessions that we wanted mm -hmm. if we brought in outside money, but I think that um, we did get better financial consideration than we would have otherwise had. But I think that from Robert's experience, he came in in the 80s, mm -hmm. that in some ways the Goucher went backwards mm -hmm. with that too. And I don't know if that's because, I don't know, I've talked to a lot of the black students who are in the um, Black Student Association, mm -hmm. And they don't seem to be as cohesive mm -hmm. as we were. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to be as strategically mm -hmm. minded as we were. Um, we were more activists in terms of what was going on on campus mm -hmm. than it appears to me mm -hmm. to be the case now. So in that sense, I think that um, I'm sure we got a lot more demands than I can remember because, mm -hmm. like I said, there were 24 demands. Right. And I'm, I'm sorry I lost that list. Yeah. I was looking all over for mm -hmm. it. I think some of them you would have found humorous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I asked. I tried to find out if anybody else mm -hmm. had copies, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I ran across that copy. Mm -hmm.
and it'll probably show up when you won't need it. <laughs> but it'll probably be able to go into the archives if right. I can there's, find it. There's a few um, demands that we found. Um, what were they? Um, so there are various ones that I can share with you later on, but um, like you said, most of them have to deal with um, financial assistance, um, also um, hiring a full-time black professor at Goucher. And I think we also didn't like the way the staff was treated to some degree, mm -hmm. and I think some of our demands had to do with that. Okay. Um, when I say staff, I'm talking about the black right. um, workers. Right, like food service. Food like service, food. bus service, right. um, maids, mm -hmm. laundry people. Right. Um, we definitely felt they were underpaid. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm not sure they got the respect that they deserved. And from talking to um, just a few of them, I still think that they don't get their dues. Mm -hmm. You know, like <clears throat> I talked to one, which I won't get too specific, but he had like 20 years of service, mm -hmm. and he said that they were trying to push out the people who had, you know, 20 or more years of service mm -hmm. and bring in younger people mm -hmm. because they really didn't want them to retire mm -hmm. from um, Goucher. It would be too expensive. Mm -hmm. So... In that sense, I think that some of the issues that we had concerning the staff still goes on. So how do you see Goucher today? Besides being more integrated mm -hmm. and more culturally diverse. Mm -hmm. um, I feel as an alumna, I'm, I'm having a lot more impact mm -hmm. on what's happening on the campus. I can see that because the class of 73 started the Imani Fund. Right. You're familiar with yes. that? Yes. We also started the Marguerite Barlin Award, mm -hmm. Merit Award, and in the, um, I think it was in the 80s that they started the Joel Robinson dinner mm -hmm. um, to honor Joel Robinson as the first black that entered the school. Right. And Marguerite Barlow was the first graduate. Mm -hmm. So Goucher is acknowledging the contributions that blacks made on campus. So I see that um, as representative of a group. Right. I'm not just talking about as individuals, mm -hmm. but as representative of a group, mm -hmm. and that our suggestions and 
input is taken more seriously than before. Um, you probably don't know, but this whole project of having oral history was my idea. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was received very warmly. And um, let's see what else is going on now. Um, we're trying, at least I've introduced the idea of having Course in Miracles on campus mm -hmm. and that I would like to be the facilitator for the course. Mm -hmm. And it's spiritual based. Mm -hmm and they don't have anything like it. It's really different from anything traditional that Goucher has mm -hmm. experienced before. And they said after the new um, facility is built mm -hmm. that they would have me come in and talk about the course and see how much interest there was. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, um, they are looking toward um, blacks as making other contributions rather than just money. Mm -hmm. Because before, you know, they asked me for a pledge, you send in your money, mm -hmm. you don't get involved right. that much. But there were, I understand, some that were involved, like you need a brewer, um, Altavis Kennedy, mm -hmm. who was a trustee, mm -hmm. Miriam, who's a trustee, Percy, who's a trustee. So in that sense, they're opening it up. And there are a lot more staff mm -hmm. that are black that are on campus. There are a lot more um, teachers who are black that are on campus. Mm -hmm. And they bring a different perspective, I think, to the campus than would otherwise exist. Um, how else do I see Goucher's being different? Um, I understand that this year was the largest entrance class of African Americans in a very long time. And I met one lady who was in the 80s, and she said she was the only black that was on campus for that for her term. I, I wish I could remember her name because she would be interesting to interview being the only black. Mm -hmm. right. <laughs> I would say Goucher changed my life. Um, it made me see that I could aim for higher things. Like I have a BA from Goucher. I have an MFA from Howard, and I have an MMS from Hopkins. And if I hadn't gone to Goucher, I would never thought that was possible. And I took that information that I had gotten into the workplace where I could make a difference. After I got my degree from Hopkins, um, they opened up a career resource center 
and I was selected to be one of the counselors there. And I encouraged every um, client that I met who wanted to go to school to go to the best school they could possibly go to. Not the nearest school, not the most convenient school, not the easiest school, but the school that had the best reputations and had the best curriculums and things like that. So in that sense, Goucher changed my perspective because when they discounted my degree from Howard and looked at me as a Goucher girl, still, even though I was 25 years old when I started working, it told me something about the society in Baltimore in particular. Baltimore is still pretty parochial, racist, segregated, and um, class conscious. That hasn't changed. And I've been out of school, what, since 73? How many years is that? Quite a few. Quite a few. So, in my own quiet way, I think I've been working to make a difference. And most of the work, I did a lot of work as a counselor for six years. And when I went to back to purchasing, because I worked in, I had many jobs mm-hmm. in within the corporation, and one of them was I was a contracting agent at um, Verizon. I was responsible for like twelve million dollars in contracts, and then I went to staff, and I found there were a lot of white people that were resentful that I was able to come back and be on staff and be considered after even being gone for six years as a viable candidate to be, to write um, practices and guidelines for the organization. But while I was there, I used the knowledge that I had from career counseling when they were downsizing to help um, other blacks get jobs in the corporation. So I feel in my own way, I've been able to make impacts in um, certain areas, even though I didn't do it in a protesting kind of way. Like people are protesting now, and I think by protesting they did stop the Vietnam War, and by protesting to some degree they did create integration, and there's some question from talking to people whether integration was a good thing or a bad thing for blacks. I don't know if you've heard that debate. And, um, 
So I've decided to put a lot of energy into culture because I feel that black students need role models. They need to see blacks who have gone from Goucher and come back to do great things and significant things. And um, that you can take a negative situation and turn it into a positive situation. For instance, the professor that I had that said I should have taken, I should have gone to a black school if I wanted to do art. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about optical art and I was able to incorporate that into the work that I did. Mm -hmm. And um, I turned out unique art in that regard. Mm -hmm. And um, what you may not know, did they had that exhibit, Living With Art. Did you see that exhibit? No, I didn't. Too bad. <laughs> they had Picasso, mm -hmm. Toulouse-Lautrec, mm -hmm. Marie Catlett, Corot, Calder, all these people who were in museums. Mm -hmm. And guess who was there? Were you there? I was there. Oh. Which showed me um, if I hadn't chose to go into corporate America, I probably could have gone on to do great things in the art field. Mm -hmm. And my son is in art now. He won, He went to Micah. He chose not to come here. Mm -hmm. He went to Micah. And he's chose not to go into corporate America because he saw the... Um, struggles and the difficulty and the pain of being in a corporation mm -hmm. where you're still a minority and for the most part you're still powerless if you don't toe a certain line. Mm -hmm. And um, he decided that he wanted to remain true to his art and I support him 100% in that and he's making inroads. He has a, bull, a, bull, a bulletin mm -hmm. um, that's on Charles Street with one of his pictures up. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he's in some books and magazines. His work is appearing in books and magazines. So it's working for him. Mm -hmm. But that at that time, when I was when I graduated from school, I was taught to go out and get a job where you can make a lot of money and fairly quickly. Right. Um, do you have any special memories of Goucher you would like to share? I loved um, the bonfires at Donnybrook. So they would have like food set out, and then we'd have this huge bonfire. I think they stopped that because there was, um, I'm not sure why Goucher stopped it, but there was a very tragic bonfire that happened in Texas, I don't know if you're aware of it, where several students were killed because the bonfire wasn't constructed safely. Mm -hmm. And, but, I love the bonfires. 
um, I took a course in um, political science and art where we saw Bonnie and Clyde mm -hmm. and um, movies like um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and movies like that and how did that relate politically. Mm -hmm. That made a big impact on me. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that I got to travel, it's not unusual for you guys to travel now, but because I went to Goucher, they didn't offer the Thomas J. Watson Fellowship mm -hmm. to all the schools. There were only particular schools that they offered it to, mm -hmm. and Goucher was one of them. And because I went to Goucher, I was able to travel for a year, mm -hmm. which otherwise wouldn't have been possible for me. Right. And I took a class in world culture when I was in high school, and at that point in my life, I decided that I wanted to travel. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how I was gonna travel, mm -hmm but I knew that I wanted to do it. And um, when I did my paper, um, they said that my paper was the only one that didn't have typographical or um, grammatical errors in it. And that's because um, my friends who I went to Goucher with, they proofread, we proofread it and proofread mm -hmm. it and proofread it. Mm -hmm. So I had the support. I always felt like I had the support of my friends mm -hmm. at Goucher. And some of them were white, and when I told them about it, they supported the Imani Fund. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if we have initially approached the black community for the Imani Fund, and there was some feedback that they didn't think that was fair, that it should have been open to everybody, and blah, 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 mm -hmm. and why just us, and so forth and so on. And I think that many was a motivator in that she was the first one to really put a stamp on Goucher with a classroom named after her and her mm -hmm. husband. So what we really wanted initially was to see if we could rally that kind of momentum mm -hmm. from black um, people who attended Goucher and we weren't able to. A lot of the money that we received, not all of it, but big chunks of it came from the white community. So um, that was an eye-opener for me. And um, <clears throat> A lot of black kids, I think, transfer out of Goucher, and I think it's a mistake. Mm -hmm. I can't say it's a mistake for everyone, but some people feel, oh, it's too isolated. Oh, they're not enough blacks. Mm -hmm. Oh, I feel disenfranchised. 
and that sort of thing. But I feel that it's up to us to make it happen. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I think like people have um, various reasons why they, they transfer, but I definitely think like community, like having like a strong community or sense of the community definitely um, allows for more students to, to stay on campus and not transfer. Um, well, if we could do it with 25 students, mm -hmm. I feel that Goucher should be able to do it with well over 100 students now. Even though I think the ratio has stayed the same, it's about 1,500 students at Goucher. Um, I think that if, I don't, that's another thing I don't like. I don't like the way the student union is set up now. I don't think it's set up in such a way that it allows um, greater participation for um, students of color. Mm -hmm. Where I think when we had, it was based on houses and you knew everybody mm -hmm. and everybody knew you that was in your house, that you had a stronger opportunity to um, get elected to office mm -hmm. than you have now. Um, I, I understand some kids have run for office unsuccessfully and I'm not sure why that is but um, the way the student union was set up before you definitely had more engagement of the houses mm -hmm. and the students within the houses. Mm -hmm. And they talk a lot about, what is it, community, the three R's, relationships. What are the three Respect, R's? I think. I'm not is really it, sure. I'm not sure, but the three, rela three yeah. R's that, yeah. that um, Jose talks about. Resilience, mm -hmm. relationships, and there's one more. Yeah. And I think that um, we had to show and demonstrate a lot of resilience mm -hmm. as black students, and that we had a strong community as black students. And I'm not sure what that third one was. Yeah. But I think that. Um, being a minority in a privileged place allows for a lot more than um, students today recognize. Mm -hmm. So is there anything else you'd like to discuss at this point? I'd like to know what our 25, yeah. <laughs> what are some of our um, mm -hmm. Um, demands were right. and see if I can address some of those. Right. How did you find them? Um, so there is a collection of documents um, from the Black Student Union um, in the archives currently. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, so some of the ones that I've, I've read were um, minimum of 20 black students enrolled in like class of 1971. Um, students wanted at least two black study courses. Um, I don't know if there were 21, but there were definitely more mm -hmm. in the 70s. Yeah. Um, students wanted um, a black administrator um, hired in admissions or financial aid. Oh, yeah, that mm -hmm. was one. Yeah. I remember those. Go ahead. Financial assistance for current and incoming black students, which you mentioned. Um, a permanent black history course um, in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And at least one of them should be required of all history majors. Mm -hmm. I think those were the, the ones that I kept seeing repeated um, throughout the documents. So do you feel that we accomplished a lot of the goals that we set out to do? I think the, the goals have definitely, the list of demands have definitely changed throughout the time of, of, of even like the beginning of the Black Student Union. Mm -hmm. um, but I think some of the, the, the themes um, that black students um, we're talking about are still prevalent today. I think another thing that we wanted, looking back on it, was we wanted more guest speakers mm -hmm. that um, <clears throat> play significant roles in movements mm -hmm. and in the arts. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I know that we saw Gwendolyn Brooks came mm -hmm. You familiar with Gwendolyn yeah, Brooks? Yeah. She came and she spoke and she interacted with the black students. Mm -hmm. And Fannie Lou Hamer came. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys have a recording of her in yeah, the archives. And I think that that's another thing that we were able to accomplish, mm -hmm. to have more um, activities with black um, people um, playing a larger part in what goes on as far as the programming at Goucher. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to say um, about our demands. The fact that we thought we could make demands mm -hmm. is significant. Mm -hmm. That such a small core group of women mm -hmm. thought that we could bring our grievances and hopes and challenges to the university mm -hmm. and that we could be heard, mm -hmm. I think was significant for that time. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, I like to see the Goucher team, fencing team, come back. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I know that there's a great interest in it, and 
I think it would be well received. And it taught me a lot about leadership. I was captain of the team. Mm -hmm. So it taught me about leadership and mentoring and coaching. And um, I think they should bring it back for those reasons. I don't know how they run now, how the teams operate now, but <clears throat> I'm sure they have um, captains and the captains do a lot of coaching and mentoring and that sort of thing. And um, it helps when you go out into the world in terms of being a leader. So I'd like to see that come back. And one thing we introduced, which they don't have anymore, was tap dancing, mm -hmm. which was a big black genre. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they have that now. Do they? I'm not sure. But if they don't, mm -hmm. I would like to see that come back. I would like to see them change the student union back to the way it was. Mm -hmm. I would like to see them have big brothers and big sisters again mm -hmm. because I think that, and I, I know that they say it's diversity and you can't match up, you know, blacks with blacks and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> I think that there should be some way that um, incoming black students could say, I want a big sister or a big brother that is um, my race, my country, my culture, or whatever. I think there should be a way to have that happen. So, that's what I have to say. Thank you.